The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Outside the Huddle, featuring your host, Lemond Williams. This program is a great resource for players making career transitions, as well as a place to discuss this week's top sports stories. Now, here's your host, Lemond Williams. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemond Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. What a week. What a week. Right now, we have some breaking news. Well, first of all, let me say thank you for joining the show. With me tonight, uh, <clears throat> normally I'm joined with my partner in crime, George. Uh, he's actually taking some courses, some school courses this year, and he will be joining us later in the show, probably the third segment, calling in and, and giving his thoughts and opinions. And also, if you'd like to join the show within the first two segments, you can do that as well. You can call in at one eight 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 three four six nine one four four. Again, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. All right, let's get right into it. The NFL is making moves uh, as we approach week three starting tomorrow on Thursday night football. But it was a big trade today between two teams, the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts. Trent Richardson, you remember him? He's the big-time running back out of Alabama, was traded to the Indianapolis Colts uh, for a future first-round selection in next year's draft. Now, Trenton Richardson has been plagued with some injuries last year. Uh, didn't get out to a good start as anticipated. However, he came in. I think he finished up with 418 receiving yards, and uh, he didn't pan out, as everyone thought, early on. But it's still early in the season. Uh, he rushed for 950 yards in his rookie debut, and... It seemed like he was had a lot of injuries uh, plaguing him throughout last year, and he came in under a different regime compared to the new management at Cleveland. But the shocking thing to me from just hearing about it is the fact that it's an in-season trade at this time of the year. You normally don't see these type of trades throughout the NFL. Uh, a good quality back as of right now. Um, we don't know what the red flags are that Cleveland Browns felt like they had to deal him to Indianapolis for a future first-round pick. But um, here's my thoughts. Uh, is it a bad business decision from Cleveland's standpoint? I would say yes due to the fact they invested a lot into him. You understand he, Trent Richardson was in the top five draft, <clears throat> top draft draft pick last year in the NFL draft. So they invested quite a bit into him for them to – Move in a different direction right now, early in this season, and and want to start over. Either a they have someone they feel like is better than him on the roster as as we speak, 
or two, um, they didn't like his services and they want to part ways, which is obvious. They want to part ways and trade him to Indianapolis uh, to play with the Colts. Now, on the flip side, the Colts, in my opinion, got a steal. If, if Trent Richardson can bring to the table what he brought to the table for the Alabama Crimson Tide as a strong downhill runner, uh, uh, a bruising type of back, okay hands, not really excellent hands, but good hands out of the backfield. If he can bring that to an offense that has Andrew Luck, I mean, you have offensive weapons on that side of the ball. If he can bring that to the table and help that offense out this year, I don't know. It's going to be tight on the Houston Texans uh, in the AFC South Division. Trenton Richardson should be able to be an impact player and help out on that offense with the Colts moving forward. I know Pep Hamilton, uh, the new offensive coordinator slash quarterback coach, can use Trent Richardson's uh, skill set in that new offense or in the offense moving forward. I mentioned the Houston Texans, and that kind of sums up my thoughts originally. really don't know too much of why as the week, I guess, progress. We'll find out why more, but I know the Browns are looking to bring in free agent Willie McGinnis as a running back. Um, if he passed the, his physical, he would probably sign. He's a two, two-time two Pro Bowler, played with the Ravens, played with Denver as well. So, um I don't know. It's just kind of shocking to me to see the Colts make a trade with the Browns, you know, and going into week three, uh, I think if the Colts feels like he can bring something to the team, he's he's an asset. But it's more shocking that the Browns invested quite some time and money in a first-round draft pick and kind of dealt him away going into week three. I'm talking about Trent Richardson uh, for the Cleveland, well, formerly known as the Cleveland Brown running back. Now the Indianapolis coach running back. So we'll see how it pay, plays out going forward. I mentioned the Houston Texans and the AFC South division. That's the same division that the Indianapolis Colts plays in. And the Texans, you know, you guys know I've been covering the Texans now for uh, about four years now. And they're off to a hot start like they did last year. The 2013 season is off to a, another hot start, 2-0 and as of right now as they prepare to hit the road to play the Baltimore Ravens. I'll preview that game a little bit later with George in the later segment. But right now, the Texans are 2-0. and They beat the Tennessee Titans, a team that's also in the AFC South Division, 30-24. to uh, Starting off, the Texans got out to a fast start. I mean, they were able to move the ball down the field on the opening drive, which was not surprising, but I kind of felt that they was going to go to their running game due to the fact that it was all... A lot of talk throughout the week about Arian Foster and Ben Tate not being on the same page for sharing reps and, and if there were some issues between them two. And, and Gary Kubiak is normally a type of coach that he has an understanding of what's going on, what's been said on the outside. For him to implement that early on I thought was excellent. But it kind of stalled out from there. The game, uh, the Texans did not score a touchdown in the, in the second. However, they scored in the third, but it was for the most part to me, it felt like Jake Locker did an excellent job by bringing this offense into the Houston Texans Stadium, Reliant Stadium, and kind of controlled the game throughout from the second quarter moving forward. Uh, uh, the Texans was able to kind of just fight their way through their defense. Oh man, the defense was phenomenal. Uh, Brian Cushion led the led the charge, eleven tackles. Uh, and company, you know, Antonio Smith, he came back his first game after suspension. He was aggressive up front, and he was able to force turnovers as well. But the most important part, the Texans was able to fight back two back-to-back games in a row 
where they was able to fight back uh, and win on the game-winning play. DeAndre Hopkins, what can you say about that rookie? I mean, he's a rookie that coming in, um, you know, and he feels like he's a, a vet already. He's getting a lot of reps and getting a lot of opportunities. He caught that game-winning touchdown pass in the, on the right-hand side of the end zone uh, between him and Matt Schaub, it seems like the chemistry is there. He was able to catch that touchdown in overtime to seal the victory. Some numbers right quick uh, to give you a perspective of what, what took place. Matt Schaub, 26 for 48, 298 yards, three touchdowns. However, he gave up two interceptions, which was huge, gave the confidence and the momentum to the secondary of the Tennessee Titans, and he threw and he was sacked twice. Uh, anytime Schaub... It's felt with pressure. He's not going to get away from it, and he was sacked twice. Whereas Jake Locker was 17 for 30, 148, two touchdowns and zero interceptions. But those four sacks was huge for the Houston Texans front line. Defensive front line, J.J. Watt, accounted for two of those sacks, and it kept bringing pressure against the Tennessee Titans offense. The Houston Texans, again, I talked about their running game offensively. Ben Tate finished up with 93 yards, running like a guy that's looking for a new contract. Whereas Arian Foster had 19 carries, which was a lot, finished up with 17, I mean, 79 rushing yards for one touchdown. He had that one touchdown in, uh, late in the fourth quarter, which helped them tie the game up. And he had that two-point conversion where he, were, where he was able to fight his way in and tie the game up to force the overtime. Uh, to be able to go in overtime for the Texans. Let's see here. I got about three minutes. I got a sound bite. I was able, I'm going to transition to defense right now. Defensively, the Houston Texans, again, stepped up. It was tested, but they stepped up at the time where they needed. Um, got a sound bite. I was able to post-game interviews with Danielle Manning. He was able to interview uh, him as well as some other reporters was there. So, Matt, let's go ahead and play that one sound bite by uh, Danielle Manning, and we'll come back from that. To win this game, whatever play somebody needed to make, we made it, huh? Yeah, man, we, we I think we we built that way. Um, we hate to play in games like that, but uh, if the outcome is a win, we'll definitely take it. But uh, I, I think this group of guys, with this coaching staff, I mean, the way we prepare, we you never know. So, who, Wade, the whole coaching staff, they put us in position in practice where we're playing from behind. We got to make plays to get in. And we're playing ahead. we got to be able to stay on top. So I think that it carried over this, these last two weeks. Daniel, a lot of guys in the locker room said that they, they're happy with the win, but they're not satisfied with how you won. No. I mean, in the league, you definitely take the dub any, any way you can. But you want to play or, you know, you want to come out and feel like you played a, a great game. And this game, we, we really wasn't. We started out slow, a little lethargic uh, first half. Second half, we start picking up the pace similar to last week, but you know, that team, that's a good team over there, and they definitely proved that in this offseason by bringing guys over. Uh, I mean, I tip my hat off to them, but I think this group of guys we have here with the Texans, um, we, we don't want to lose, and we find ways to win. And as you can hear, it was Houston Texans starting safety, Daniel Manning, addressing the media in the locker room after the win over the Tennessee Titans this past Sunday. And, and one thing I want to mention that he had talked about in there was the fact that they show mental toughness. I mean, for the, from them to be able to pull out two back-to-back games, they had that Monday night game where they won, the late Monday night game where they won by a field goal over San Diego, and this game against the Tennessee Titans where the defense was able to hold strong and the offense got, was able to get back into it. And, again, uh, DeAndre Hopkins had that reception in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. 
Now, real quick, uh, it looks like we have about a minute or two before our break, but I want to mention defensively, and I can talk more about this when George chime in in the third segment, but Kareem Jackson was fined $42,000 for the hit uh, against uh, a wide receiver. Kareem Jackson hit uh, Kendall Wright. It was a more, more like a bang-bang play, but it was uh, they said it was a targeting hit to the head. He was fined 42000 And also, uh, you know, the Houston Texans, Andre Johnson, was hit by Bernard Parler, and he was fined as well. Don't have those numbers in front of me right now. But when I get a chance to break down a little bit more of the Texans, when George come on, I want to talk more about Ed Reed. You know, Ed Reed and the Houston Texans are traveling up to Baltimore you don't remember, Ed Reed was the player for the Baltimore Ravens last year as they won the Super Bowl, and he will have a homecoming going back. So I want to talk about that and <clears throat> his ability to be able to play against his former team, uh, a little bit more about the Texans as well. But all right, man, let's go ahead and take a break. Spent some time now doing a lot of talking about Texans and uh, the trade between the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Coast. So, man, let's go ahead and break, and we'll pay some bills. We'll come back and go around the NFL and talk about other sports topics. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave Mike Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. If you're looking for a show that takes you through the process of becoming a successful college athlete, you'll want to tune in to Get It Done Sports Radio with host Karif Bird. You'll find out about the how-tos of getting to the next level and the do's and don'ts when preparing for college athletics. It's a complete inside look at what's turning out the next generation of players. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Sports. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888 346 9144. Or you can drop a line to Lemont Williams Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. 
Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Just wrapped up an excellent first segment where I broke down the, I had a chance to get my thoughts and opinions on the trade between the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts with Trent Richardson going from the Browns to the Colts and how I thought Brown, I mean, excuse me, how Richardson will be an impact player for the Colts offense if he has uh, no prior injuries to the trade, but I don't think they will make a trade with damaged goods or the Colts will accept a trade with damaged goods. And I also expressed my opinions on how the fact that I thought it was a bad business decision for the Cleveland Browns under new management to be able to dis, you know, just let them go, disregard the first-round draft pick they invested into and, and Trent Richardson and, and send them all to the Indianapolis Colts. Now, got a chance to recap a little bit about the Houston Texans' victory going 2-0 and over the Tennessee Titans at home, 30-24. to It was an excellent job there by the rookie wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, was able to catch that end zone, I mean, that touchdown pass in the end zone for the Houston Texans as they, as they prepare to play the Baltimore Ravens on this Sunday in week three on the road, homecoming for Ed Reed if he's able to play. All right, let's go around the NFL and talk about some games from this past weekend. First game jumps out of me to me is the Sunday night football game, which for the most part really wasn't a game. It was one-sided throughout the whole, well, up into about the second quarter-ish and on. It just got out of hand. I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks game versus the San Francisco 49ers. Seahawks, by now, you know, dominated the 49ers 29-3. to And the first thing that jumps out of me about this game is the turnovers. I mean, the 49ers, a team that looked outstanding versus the Green Bay Packers uh, two weeks ago. And Colin Kaepernick, you thought that, hey, Colin Kaepernick will be the guy this year. No one can stop this new, improved, revised version of the read, zone read offense. Then, boom, they run into the Legion of Boom, <laughs> which is the secondary of the Seattle Seahawks, as Richard Sherman gets an interception for one of the turnovers. And the 49ers had two fumbles and three interceptions. So, Starting with the 49ers, I felt like, uh, you know, whatever game plan they had against the Seattle Seahawks offensively, to me it felt like they could not make any adjustments necessary to adjust on the fly. Now, i got to give you the backdrop. It was a one-hour delay, rain delay, due to lighting. <clears throat> lightning. So maybe, and I'm using that as an excuse, but maybe that could have been one of the reasons that gave the Seattle Seahawks defense more of an edge regrouping and coming back from that compared to the offense of the San Francisco 49 I'm just saying maybe. I don't know. I'm not using that as an excuse, but I'm just stating the facts uh, that it was a one-hour delay. However, Colin Kaepernick played one of his worst games as a passer, as a starter, uh, and he had to be embarrassed. I mean, the uh, Seattle Seahawks, yeah, defensively owned them, owned their wide receivers. Anquan Bolden, I don't even think he showed up. I mean, he was there physically. I saw a guy running around in his jersey. However, I did not see Anquan Bolden make that same effort and have that same production that he had against the Green Bay Packers two weeks ago. Uh, give credit to Richard Sherman. He shut him down. He was able to back up his talk, and he was able to be aggressive against Anquan Bolden, taking away the inside routes. Bolden is not a guy, not a speedy guy, He's a guy that can threaten you down the seams. He's a guy that can hit you with the out routes. He's a guy that you give him the ball. If you throw it up for him, he'll go get it. And 
Uh, Richard Sherman did an excellent job by shutting him down. Same thing for Vernon Davis. He really wasn't as productive as a tight end slash wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers as he were as he was a week or two weeks before against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, some numbers. Always want to throw out some numbers for you guys so you can get a perspective of what what took place. Colin Kaepernick. He was 13 for 28, 127 yards, zero touchdowns. I mean that's. Unheard of for a young man that has a lot of potential and a lot of talent. Zero touchdowns, throwing the ball, but he had three interceptions. That was huge. And he gave up three sacks against that Seattle defense. Now, on the flip side, you had Seattle's offense, another second-year guy. Well, yeah, second-year guy, Russell Wilson, 8 for 19, 142. He had one touchdown and one interception. He was sacked, however, four times. So you have more of an efficient, effective quarterback in Ryan Wilson, and you have a quarterback in Colin Kaepernick that struggled and had issues throughout the game against a very aggressive, I mean, excuse me, Russell, I said Ryan, but Russell Wilson, uh, more of an effective and efficient quarterback. Colin Kaepernick had issues, and and uh, his timing was off. His timing was off, and it was all the way across the board, you know, penalty-wise, for the 49ers, they gave up 12 penalties for 121 yards, where Seattle only gave up 84. And anytime you play on the road in Seattle, it's going to be tough. Day, day game, night game, uh, early in the fall or slash in, in September, or late in the season in November or January, it's going to be tough playing up there because it's unpredictable weather in the Seattle-Washington area. Uh, throughout the game, I thought, you know, Pete Carroll did an excellent job for his play calling. I thought he kept uh, Jim Harbaugh's team on their, on their toes uh, by controlling the clock. I mean, he controlled the clock from the beginning to the end, and the time of possession is what really helped keep that momentum there for the Seattle Seahawks and that 12-man crowd, which, from what I read, I wasn't at the stadium, but from what I read, uh, broke, a, broke a record for the loudest crowd in the NFL or uh, – the loudest crowd at a live event, and I think that's in the Guinness World Book uh, record book, I want to say. I, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I'm going out on the limb and saying they did break a record for that. But Seattle was more efficient. There was uh, a team that wanted to execute their plays. It was a, they showed more of a, a balanced attack. They controlled the clock. They maintained that. Uh, but the most important part to me was the fact that it was efficient in the red zone, going three for six, able to. Once you get in that within those twenty yard lines, you got to be able to execute and put points on the board. Right now, uh, Seattle did that against the Forty ers It was three for six, whereas the Forty ers was zero for two in the red zone. So we'll see what takes place this week. Can the Forty ers bounce back and improve that offense, which was lackluster against a strong, competitive? aggressive defense in the Seattle Seahawks? Or can the Seahawks take a step back this week as a, as, after putting up a, a strong performance at home and, you know, go 3-0? and But I want to say Seattle has Jacksonville, which Jacksonville comes to Seattle. If that's the case, then you might want to put that in the books. Yes, they come to Jacksonville. Jacksonville comes to Seattle. Jacksonville is... is I don't even know what Jacksonville is doing 
as a team right now. They, they're lobbying for Tebow right now. So uh, the 49ers, to me, looks like they, if they can handle do bring the same effort they brought against the 49ers. Seattle, excuse me, if they bring the same effort they had against the 49ers, this will be a shoe-in win at home against Jacksonville. All right, let's go to a different NFC team that played as well. Uh, let's go. Let's go to the nation. Let's go to the nation capital, Washington D.C. The 0-2 Redskins traveled on the road and played legendary team, the Green Bay Packers. Now we all know the final score. It was 38 to 20. Redskins sitting at 0-2. Packers sitting at 1-1. Their first victory at home this season. Now. Everybody wants to know what's going on with the Washington Redskins. Should they sit uh, RG3 down, Robert Griffin III? Should they play him more? Should they go with Kirk Cousins? Here's my thoughts. RG, RG3, Robert Griffin III, to me, do I feel like he's 100% healthy? He has no other choice but to be 100% healthy at this point. Uh, you know, he had a chance to rehab his knee from the ACL tear, tear and he had a chance to build his confidence up, and get back with the offense. However, he did not play in the preseason game any this season, and it's still taking him some time to gel with his offense. I know you might think that's kind of weird for a young man that's been practicing and training with his team throughout the offseason, but he's been had limited reps throughout the offseason. He had no reps in preseason with the starting unit, and we're in week two going into week three. Well, say we're in week three now with the game starting tomorrow. It's going to take him some time to get going. He, he looked at flustered. He looked like he wasn't in control of the offense. He looked like he was forcing himself to be more of a pocket presence quarterback instead of the RG3 that everyone fell in love with as a rookie. And only time will tell if he can be able to adjust to the new style of offense they want him to do. Now, when they got in the red zone, they was effective. They was three for three, whereas Green Bay was three for six. But what can you say about the Green Bay Packers after being embarrassed against the San Francisco 49ers on the road? Aaron Rodgers comes home and put up some huge numbers. Again, I always want to give you numbers to give you a perspective. Rodgers finished up with 30, 34 for 42, 480 yards. Let me repeat that again. 480 yards passing the ball with four touchdowns. That's outstanding. I mean, I don't care who you are, what league you're playing in, anytime you ever put up 480 yards and four huge touchdowns against the Washington Redskins defense, that's phenomenal. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that we know can put up big numbers. He's a um, future Hall of Famer. I like to say that. I'm going to go out on the limb and say he's a future Hall of Famer. He's a guy that can uh, make plays on the run. He's a guy that can make plays in the pocket. Aaron Rodgers is the heart and soul of the Green Bay Packers. For them to be uh, dominant against the Redskins defense at home proves that you know they're not phased by that week one loss to San Francisco 49ers. Now, can they build off that? Uh, how will their running game improve moving forward? We know that they're a passing team. They don't want to be a one-sided team. I, I'm talking about the Green Bay Packers. How can they improve on that? Defensively, they was able to stabilize the Washington Redskins throughout the first quarter, first half, excuse me, giving up zero points. But their defense slacked off in the late in the fourth quarter or in the fourth quarter where the Washington Redskins was able to come back and put four, 13 points up in the fourth quarter. So if, there any, if there's any room to improve on, I say it's defense side of the ball for the Green Bay Packers. Offensively, they're loaded. As long as Aaron Rodgers stay upright and he's healthy, 
then they will progress offensively and they will be a team to be reckoned with moving forward in the NFC and throughout the NFL. All right, here, let's go to, let's stay in the NFC East at that and talk about the Manning Bowl. The Giants host the Denver Broncos. Everyone was waiting to see this game between the two brothers, Peyton Manning for the Denver Broncos and Eli Manning for the New York Giants. Now, the Giants, for the most part, to me, just to me, feels like, uh, you know, at 0-2, I think that's exactly where I anticipated them to be early on. Now, I know you might say in hindsight 2020, it's easy for you to say that, Levon. Now, they're 0-2. Well, I just, you know, they don't have an established running game. I think their running game helps Eli Manning passing game. And what I mean by that, having a solid runner, uh, someone they, they can pin on each and every time to be able to open up those running lanes and be able to draw that safety and those linebackers in helps Eli Manning. Eli Manning is a younger version of Peyton Manning. He rolls off, off the play-action fake. And if he doesn't have a, a threatening running game, teams are not really going to be threatened by that. Now, on the flip side, his brother, Peyton Manning, I mean, this guy's a machine. I mean, each and every week he's putting up huge numbers. Each and every week he seems like he's getting better. Uh, the Broncos is a team that's on a mission early right now in the, in the AFC. And I'm going to go out and say it. I want to hear George's opinion about this a little bit later. But I'm going to go out and say it. They're looking like the best team in the AFC as of right now, next to the Houston Texans, which is 2-0. and But, uh, yeah, the running game for the New York Giants, if it's not established, they don't have a running game. They're going to continue to have struggles throughout the season. 23 rushing yards overall, 1.2 yards per carry. I mean, I mean that's, that's ridiculous. You can't be productive offensively and be one-sided with Eli Manning as your quarterback. You've got to have some balance offensively. Tom Coughlin got to find a solution. If not, it's going to get worse at, you know, each and every week. Denver Broncos, their team, I mean, how can I find any mistakes with them right now? I mean, you know that they want to pass the ball. So the fact that Peyton Manning has been outstanding as a passer, so they're going to pass the ball. Then you add in the fact that their running game is solid, 107 yards rushing the ball, two for three in the red zone. So they're, when they get into the red zone, they're, <laughs> they're making plays and they're putting up points. Now, the only issue I see here is that their penalties is, a, is, is, is killing them, especially on the road, 132 yards in penalties. You've got to trim that down. But the most exciting part about this whole thing overall is that they run out their two marquee players defensively, Champ Bailey at corner and their defensive end. So it's like they got to find a way to – well, they found a way. I mean, Chris Harris Jr. has two interceptions as a safety – I mean, as a cornerback stepping in for, um, for Champ Bailey. And the guy I was thinking about was Vaughn Miller, the fact that he's out due to the suspension. Just imagine if they was back and they had, you know, Vaughn Miller and Champ Bailey, which should be a future Hall of Famer player, solid player that I know as a cornerback. So, I mean, sky's the limits for, the, for, for Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. Uh, I really don't see too many mistakes besides the penalties. And, um, you know, that, that's really it. I mean, be honest with you. I mean, Peyton Manning, is, he's a machine. And you can tell his offseason workout is paying dividends as of right now for the Denver Broncos. Eli Manning, you know, until they get a running game and be effective running the ball, um, you know, 23 yards is not going to cut it 
especially in the NFC East, as seasons goes on, on and on each and every week, teams see on film that you can't run the ball, they're going to play you exactly the way they see it, and they're going to adjust to that. And they can bring a lot of pressure to Eli Manning, which in return puts him in a position to throw a lot of turnovers like they did last week against the Denver Broncos, throwing four interceptions. So all in all, that's my opinion. It looks like we're coming up on another break here, Matt. So all in all, that's my opinion and my thoughts on the three games. I want to recap the San Francisco 49ers, um, Eli Manning, the Manning Bowl, as well as what was the other game, the Redskins, RG3. And the red on to RG three and the Redskins. So uh, looks like about that time to take a break. And George should be joining us here shortly. So uh, let's go ahead and break, Mac. And when we come back, we'll welcome George into the show and get his thoughts on the Houston Texans as well as the trade between the Indianapolis Colts and Cleveland Browns. Next on Outside the Huddle, we'll leave Mike Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. flagship station for sports voice america sports what's it like to live life on the edge it's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day action sports athletes live their lives on the edge Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Bombs away. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1 888 346 9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. That segment where my boy, better known as George G-Man, will call into the show from school. So, George, I know you're on with us. And welcome to the show, Outside the Huddle. Glad to be here in the morning. I'm ready to talk some sports. Uh, excited. I got to hear a little bit of the last segment that toward the end. I, I got me fired up, ready to talk some, some football. All right. Well, I'm going to get your thoughts originally on this trade here between the Cleveland Browns and the Indianapolis Colts sending Trent Richardson to the Colts for a future first-round pick next year. So what was your mind? Oh, let me – how would I phrase this? What went through your mind when you heard originally heard about this trade that took place this evening? 
Well, the first thing I said, I'm going to call Lamont and tell him because <laughs> this is crazy. It affects the AFC South in, in more ways than one. You look at a team in the Indianapolis Colts who are one or two players away from really being a contender with the Houston Texans in the AFC South. And I know since we're covering the AFC South down here, it's, it's a high-profile thing. You look at the Indianapolis Colts, who through two weeks have struggled very bad in the running game and can't seem to get it together. You go out and you get you a superstar like Trent Richardson, who was a first-round draft pick last year, and uh, he went to the Browns, and, and, and he's, he's shined ever since he's been there. Um, he did have some injury bugs last year that kind of kept him sidelined a little bit, but you look at a kid who's young and hungry and really wants to to develop as a running back in this league, and I think it's a great trade for the Colts, and I think that the Browns get a decent pick out of it, although I don't know how high that pick will be because I definitely think the Indianapolis Colts are going to be in the hunt this year. Yeah, well, my next question, how will Trent Richardson impact the Colts' offense moving forward? He's a huge impact. You look at a team whose leading rusher up to this point was uh, Vic Ballard, and um, and 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 that's a, that's a name you you put out there, and people are like, who? So it's one of those things. You you get a name in there in the running game, besides Ahmad Bradshaw, who's been nag- having a nagging injury himself, and uh, can't really stay on the field so far this year, which is only through two weeks. So you can't really judge it by two weeks. But you look at a guy in Ahmad Bradshaw and um, Trent Richardson as being a good running tandem here in the AFC South. You look at it as almost uh, the same type of running tandem, if not a little bit better than the Arian Foster Ben Tate running tandem that you have here in Houston. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So, so you think now that with Richardson and with the Colts, which is in the same division with the Houston Texans and AFC South, uh, as the as the Texans prepare for the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday, you think that you know this trade makes the Colts and the Texans gap a little bit more tighter? Definitely, definitely. You look at a team who, like I said, was only a, a superstar or two away from being a contender with the Texans. And you already have, when you when you look at your board, and I'm sure the way this is the way that many national boards are, you have the Colts and the Texans splitting a game. Whether the Texans are going to win there or win here, nobody knows. But I don't think that anybody has the Texans sweeping the Colts. And right now you look at this matchup and, you look at a, a, a stud defense in the Texans having to go against the stud running core in the Indianapolis Colts running mm-hmm. core, and it's going to be a great matchup. I think if they still will split the game. I'm just not sure who will win where, but it, it definitely puts the Colts right there on uh, chomping at the bit to get to where the Texans are at, and they're definitely looking to avenge themselves after the Texans have won back-to-back AFC South championships. All right, well, speaking of the Texans, the Texans pulled it out at home in overtime. 30-24 over the Tennessee Titans, another team in the AFC South division. How special was that, that DeAndre catch late in the, I mean, right in the, well, the opening drive in overtime. How special was that for the Texans getting that victory? It, it's special in more ways than one. It's special because the kid, this is his first real regular season action that he's, that he's getting uh, the, these great catches. I know that the first performance against San Diego, he had a couple of great catches, including a 35-yarder over the middle to keep a drive alive. But you look at a kid who, when Andre Johnson went out and, and there was not a hope in the world last year um, when Andre Johnson wasn't in there, you look at a, a Texans defense, I mean a Texans offense who now 
can say, okay, if Andre is out, we have a kid here who's going to step up. And the thing that you really like to see is Matt Schaub is throwing the fade route in the end zone now. And that's mm-hmm. something that the Texans fan base and the Texans media has been stressing needs to happen with Andre Johnson. And now you have two big threats in the red zone. Actually, you have three because Arian Foster could run it on you as well. Yeah. So you have Arian Foster who could run it. You have Andre Johnson who could go for a jump ball. You have DeAndre Hopkins who could go for a jump ball. You have Owen Daniels who's a big target in the middle. It's just it, it, it helps the confidence of the Texans to know that this rookie is not just a rookie. He's somebody who's going to be – almost as experienced as your veteran players. Yeah, no question. I talked about earlier about how DeAndre Hopkins is a rookie, but he's mature with a lot of reps and exposure as a receiver thus far in week two going into week three. Going to the defensive side of the ball for the Houston Texans. No, before we go defensive side of the ball, Andre Johnson, how concerned are you about Johnson's ability uh, to be able to recover from that concussion uh, from last game? I think that Andre has to has to allow this to kind of take its course. I think that he needs to go through the protocol like the NFL has set up and make sure that he's 110% when he goes back out there on the field because as of right now, you're playing the Ravens this week. And the Ravens is going to be a tough matchup, but you have to look two weeks down the road where you're going to have the Seahawks and the 49ers back-to-back weeks in the coming weeks. So I think that – you really need to nurse this injury, and if you don't get the play for Baltimore, I don't think that that's as big of a deal. They'll need you a lot more against Richard Sherman and, and that the cornerbacks in uh, in Seattle than they will in Baltimore. All right, well, we'll definitely see. Going to the defense side of the ball, are we going to see uh, Ed Reed or what? I mean, are we going to see him this week? What What is your thoughts? I'm not sure. You you look at Ed Reed and you thought, well, maybe he'll come back for the, I guess you could quote-unquote, homecoming going back to Baltimore. But he was on Rich Eisen's podcast earlier this week, and he uh, he actually talked about how he was week-to-week, day-to-day. And and that, that quote kind of caught my attention. Anytime you say you're week-to-week, and those were his words, was that he's week-to-week, that means that you're not really sure if you're going to play – in the next coming weeks, and that's not a good thing if you're the Texans, especially when you look at a cornerback tandem in Jonathan Joseph and um, Kareem Jackson, who have really seemed to be struggling a little bit um, against the deep ball. If you have a center fielder out there in Ed Reed who can really be the ball hawk you need him to be, you don't really have to worry about that matchup too much. And so these 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 quarterbacks are going to continue to pick on Jonathan Joseph and Kareem Jackson with the deep ball, and, and it's going to end up being something that they'll need Ed Reed later on in the season. I think that it's a concern for the Texans that he's not 100% by now or at least fully practicing and being prepared to play in a game. Yeah, you got to like what you saw in J.J. Watt, though. He was very aggressive getting those two sacks, huh? Oh, yeah, J.J. Watt is a beast, and I think that Antonio Smith was very missed in that first game. You look at a guy who we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, Antonio Smith is a guy who takes pressure off of J.J. Watt because he demands just as much presence as J.J. Watt does, along with Brian Cushing as well. These guys, when they're all together and they're all gelling, I honestly don't think that there's, a, there's an offense in the NFL who can run on them or who can prevent their pass rush. Yeah, JJ is, is he's I call him my hero. He's more than a beast. He's he's phenomenal, man. Once he gets going, 
he's gone, and I like what I saw out of him. Well, I rephrase that. I love what I saw out of him this past weekend at, at Reliant, and hopefully he can bottle up some of that from last Sunday and bring it on the road because they definitely would need that against a, a Ray Riceless offense in the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, it's always tough to play in Baltimore without Ray Rice, Ed Reed, or Ray Lewis. So it's, it's going to be a tough hill to climb for the Houston Texans going into Baltimore on Sunday. So let's see here. We had, uh, I think it's time for us to take a break. And you've been dropping some great knowledge here, uh, George. So let's go ahead and break. When we come back, we'll preview week three, NFL week three. We've got some games kicking off tomorrow, as well as the Texans hitting the road on Sunday and some other games. So we'll preview the week three of the NFL next, George, and pay some bills. Next on Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the voice america sports channel the talk doesn't get any hotter your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports You're outside the huddle with Lemont Williams. Want a piece of today's action? Call into the show right now at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or you can drop a line to Sports at yahoo.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams on the Voice America Sports Network. Man, we're in segment number four, the last segment before we wrap up the show. Still on the line with me is George, better known as G-Man. Calls in and gives his excellent opinion and thoughts on sports topics around the, the country as well as locally here in Houston, Texas. So, George, we're in the last segment, and then we kind of dedicate this segment to preview games that's going into the follow well, coming up this weekend. So let's go ahead and kick it off the first game that starts tomorrow. Uh, for week three of the NFL, the Kansas City Chiefs, the 2-0 and Kansas City Chiefs versus the 1-1 and Philadelphia Eagles. 
All right, George, we know right now that the Kansas City Chiefs are a stronger team this year offensively under Andy Reid, and they will go against his former team, the Philadelphia Eagles. What's your prediction and why? I think that you have to give this one to the Eagles, and I just say that because of the high-powered Chip Kelly offense that that we see here in the NFL that's emerging. I think that they got slowed down a little bit last week, and I think that they look to rebound off of that. And you look at Andy Reid, who he's coming into a situation where he's coaching against his former team, and there's a lot of pressure for him on that, whereas Chip Kelly has no pressure. It's uh, it's one of those things where you just got to go in and, ma- and make sure you win this this game. So I, I give it to the Philadelphia Eagles, but that's that's just strictly based on the fact that this offense for the for the Philadelphia Eagles is is so potent and high powered that I think that a lot of teams in the NFL are not going to be able to keep up with it. I think the Kansas City Chiefs defense is going to struggle a little bit against it, but I think it's going to be a great game, and it's one of the games that I definitely look forward to watching tomorrow. Yeah, you know, Kansas City, why would you call this, versus Philly, call this the Andy Reid Bowl. I mean, (laughs) Andy Reid has his team motivated in the Kansas City Chiefs going against a Philadelphia Eagles team right now defensively is is MIA. They're missing in action. Uh, Offensively, we know they can be impressive. It can be fast-paced. It can be, you know, Chip Kelly style of play. But defensively, they got to stop somebody. And Kansas City is rolling right now Uh, with Andy Reid. They're ranked eighth overall in rushing the ball, so they want to run the ball first and foremost. So, I don't know. It's going to be a tough one. Back-to-back, back-to-back home games for the Eagles. Defensively, they got to step up. I'm going to go ahead and give it to the Kansas City Chiefs. I really believe that these guys are going to rally around um, Andy Reid and play hard for him as he goes back into Philly. It's going to be a hostile environment, though. Those fans are not going to walk them. The Philadelphia Eagles fans are not going to Welcome Andy Reid back with open arms. It'll probably be some boobers, but uh, that comes with the territory. All right, we go from the Kansas City Chiefs, George, to a team that the Chiefs played last week in the Dallas Cowboys. Now, every year we have high expectations for the Cowboys, rightfully so. They've been trademarked and branded as the American team. And right now they're playing at home at the AT&T Stadium against St. Louis Rams on Sunday. Who do you think will win this game, George, and why? I think the Dallas Cowboys need to bounce back, and they 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 need to get Tony Romo under control and and have him be the Tony Romo that that they need him to be. His stat sheet always at the end of the end of the year looks phenomenal. He he looks like a guy who's really performing when he needs to perform. But when it comes to clutch time, Tony Romo gets up into this shell and he just becomes not non-existent and it's it's sad to see because the the Dallas Cowboys are a very talented team and that's why they're America's team because they continue to have talent on their team now what they need to do is expose that talent and use it in a positive way and and Tony Romo is kind of hurting them in a way by not being able to step up in those clutch situations but I think that this week Tony Romo comes out and the Dallas Cowboys come out and they say look we dropped one to Kansas City last week we need to pick it up. We need to get on a, on a track and be the team that we know we can be. I think that that uh, that the offense has to start get, getting clicking. And, and Des Bryant is a powerful receiver, and I think that him going up against this Kansas City defense will definitely – I mean, not Kansas City, the St. Louis defense will definitely give him an opportunity to show his showcase his talent as well. So I think Dallas comes out with this one. 
You think Dallas will win that? They have no other choice. I, I feel like Dallas will win that as well at home. Okay, let's see here. Okay, real quick before we talk about the Texans and the Baltimore game. Uh, Detroit, they go on the road and play the Washington Redskins. Redskins are on two. Will RG3 get his first victory of the 2013 season, George? I surely hope so. This kid, he really had this back-for-week-one mentality, and he comes out and he just looks like he he's rusty. He may be athletically inclined and be able to, to run the ball and throw the ball as accurately as he can, but at the end of the day, there's a difference between being in shape and being in football shape. And he need he needed these past two games to kind of get his, his legs underneath him and really warm up and, and become the RG3 that we saw last year. I think that he's been trying to be this pocket passer so that he he's less less apt to getting injured. But I think that RG3 just needs to go back to his old style. Injuries occur. They happen. But you can't be scared because when you're scared – that's when the injuries reoccur. So he has to go out there and just be the RG3 that we saw last year. He's very accurate with the ball. He can run the ball as well. I think that he gives this Detroit defense fits, and I think that the Redskins and RG3 get their first victory this week. All right. I know that's the wrong music. That's for Monday Night Football. However, the Houston Texans go on the road and play their nemesis a team that really owns them as of right now before Sunday's game, the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore, Maryland. How do you think this game will play out for the Houston Texans on the road against the Ravens, George? Surprisingly, I definitely think that the Texans are going to struggle defensively this week. And you say, what, George? Defensively? They've been studs the past couple of weeks. Yes, they've been defensive studs the past couple of weeks. But you look at a receiving core in Torrey Smith, and Marlon Brown, who both are are very good receivers, Marlon Brown being a rookie, but he's not playing like a rookie. And you and I were talking about it on break. There's There seems to be a changing of the guard in, in the Houston Texans locker room as far as cornerback goes. And Jonathan Joseph has taken a step back. I think Joe Flacco gets his feet underneath him this week, and I think that he's going to pass to Torrey Smith, who will be on uh, Jonathan Joseph a lot this week. And I think that he's going to get a lot of targets, and I think that he's going to get a lot of passing yards. And I think that at the end of the day, Baltimore is going to pull this one out because the Texans have been fighting gritty games. And you can't go into Baltimore and fight that kind of game because you're going to come out the loser. Yeah, I, I, here's the thing. Here's my thoughts with the Texans game. I think without Andre, the safe, for example, he's not playing because he's going through the protocol for the, the concussion. Uh, expect the Texans to do more of what they did early in the last game, establish their running game with a two-headed monster and Tate, Ben Tate, and Arian Foster. Uh, I look for Arian Foster to have a better game, uh, more yardage, uh, more touchdown performance. I really think without Ray, uh, Ray Lewis and without Ed Reed in the secondary, uh, I think the Texans offense will be more confident and have a little bit more uh, effectiveness as far as being out of the play action. Now, if Andre Johnson is not able to go, DeAndre Hopkins will see some double teams for the first time this season due to the fact that he will be the primary receiver. Keyshawn Martin, he's a guy that's starting to establish himself as a wide receiver. I look for huge things from him. Owen Daniels, he's another guy that's been productive early on this season, has been a security blanket for Matt Schaub out of the play action, continue to have success on the road 
against the Baltimore Ravens. So that's my game plan. Defensively, we all know what the Texans can do defensively. They're, they're a team that, once they smell blood in the water, led by Brian Cushing, he's playing at a Pro Bowl level as of right now. Mm-hmm. They will be able to be successful on the road. And I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. I have the Houston Texans winning on the road against the Baltimore Ravens due to the fact that the Texans right now are playing so mentally strong by winning their first game on the road after being down by 21 points and winning at home by being down by eight or so more points in the fourth quarter to be 2-0. and It's only right for them to go up to Baltimore and handle business and get that victory. I think that'll be a great thing as well. But the one other thing you have to really key on and really look at this matchup is Ryan Harris versus Elvis Dumerville. If Dwayne Brown cannot get back on the field this week, uh-huh. that is your left tackle, and that's going to be the side you're going to be looking at. And Elvis Dumerville is going to be rushing the passer a lot more if Dwayne Brown is out. And I think that that's going to be your key factor in whether the Texans can come out with a victory or not. That's an excellent point there, excellent point there. Now, Joe Flacco, do you feel like Joe Flacco is going to be uh, – what is your, th- your thoughts on Joe Flacco if Ray Rice is not able to go? I think Joe Flacco has digressed this season as a quarterback. Last, last season you look at him in the playoffs and he looked like he was on fire. That's why he got the new deal this offseason. He needs to start playing like he got a new deal. You look at Brian Cushing, who's been playing like he's gotten a new deal, and he's playing up to all pro levels. So I think that without Ray Rice, he loses a lot of confidence with a a rookie wide receiver core uh, with everyone except for uh, Torrey Smith. So And Dennis Pitta, his big target over the middle, is also gone. So um, he he suffered an ACL injury this this offseason. So you have Torrey Smith, who's the only experienced receiver, and then Ray Rice used to be a receiving target out of the backfield. He's also injured. So it's a beat-up offense, but I think that Joe Flacco has to get his feet underneath him, and he has to do what they're paying him to do. They paid him the big bucks because they want him to be the Peyton Manning of, of Baltimore, and that's what he has to do. Well, good stuff there, George. It looks like we're coming up on less than 30 seconds for a wrap of the show, but good stuff, man, good information, and uh, continue to call into the show each and every week. Definitely, definitely. I'll be here next week right after school. I, I get out of school. I love calling the show. So I appreciate the opportunity of mine. I guess I'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, and I also want to thank the listeners out there for listening to the show Outside the Huddle. We'll leave my Williams each and every week. And until we meet again, George and I meet you guys next week. You guys have a blessed week and a nice weekend. Thanks for joining Outside the Huddle with Lemont Williams. We're back next week for another live show, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Check back with us on the Voice America Sports Channel.